Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6-NERDS-5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic-Con. No shit. That's why I'm the only one allowed to do it, you piece of shit. I was sitting there in my mind saying, say it right, say it right, and I still like... (laughs) There's a really funny uh, Bare Naked Ladies live thing, uh, like a live performance from Red Rocks, and the lead singer is saying, man, that whole time I was singing that song, I was like, I don't remember the next word, and I'm at Red Rocks, and I'm saying, I can't fuck this up. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, no, we're the officially, the unofficial podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con, happening June this year? Is, or is it May? I think it's the end of May. Last week of May. It's the last week of May. Yeah. Um, coming up fast. I'm sure we're going to start having announcements soon. I heard Tom Holland's going to be there with Jake Gyllenhaal to promote Spider-Man Far From Home. Who said that? I made that up. <laughs> Wishful thinking. In my yep. head. If you believe it hard <laughs> enough, diary. it'll happen. Oh, man. If that happened, I'd be like, uh, who's dick do I have to suck to get on that panel? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, Frost, get out of here. <laughs> like, no, don't worry. Comic Storian is here. <laughs> Ryan hasn't been at the booth all day. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> You've been drinking milk all day? Yeah, sure. it's really salty. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. Yuck. <laughs> Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week, we saw Anna and the Apocalypse, mm. a special screening at Alamo. You know, I was looking around there. They're really only showing them at Alamos, and it was really limited at this Alamo in Sloan's I- Lake. So I was stoked that they got it. Um, stay tuned to the end of the podcast when we review the film. We'll tell you if you should see it. We'll play the trailer, and then we will spoil the film and talk about the film. So if you want to see the film, hang out, to, and we'll tell you if you should see it, If you, and then... Uh, skedaddle before we re- uh, review it because we will spoil the film we also talk about movies that are coming out movie news oh man trailer central this week oh yeah and uh movies we've been watching throughout the week we also have a wonderful person who calls in every week it's called catching the classics with corinne and here she is to tell you about one of the original superheroes according to her 
The Scarlet Pimpernel. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my reviews. Except for last time when I reviewed the miniseries The Thornbirds, and there were a couple of comments questioning whether it was actually a classic. So I just wanted to say real quick that it is the second highest rated miniseries of all time in the U.S., and if you talk to people who were around when it aired in 1983, I think it was, um, they will tell you it was a phenomenon, like water cooler kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I know it's like not as popular now. Like, I had never really heard of it before until James mentioned it on the show that one time. But that doesn't mean it wasn't popular back in its day. And just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not a classic. Because that's why I'm doing this is because I'm trying to keep an open mind and broaden my horizons. So anyway, um, on to part eight of Catching the Classics. Uh, because I was on vacation last week, I didn't call in. So this week there will be a double feature of the granddaddy of modern superhero stories, the Scarlet Pimpernel, both the 1934 version and the 1982 one. So I don't know uh, like if you guys have seen the Scarlet Pimpernel or know about it, but... I didn't really know much about it going into it, other than it was a big influence on Zorro, which was a big influence on Batman. So, again, kind of like the grandfather or primogenitor of the modern-day superhero story. But it's about an English baronet who secretly works to save French aristocrats during the French Revolution. And it's kind of this mix of superhero movie, spy movie... But also, it's a period drama, so you know I'm going to love it. <laughs> um, I will say that I did watch the 1982 version first, and I like that one better. It's like an hour longer than the other one, and I appreciate that it gives you more backstory on the characters and their connections with each other. And it also does a lot more showing, whereas in the other one, there's a lot more telling because, you know, you weren't there when all these things were happening, so they just kind of talk about it and they don't really show it to you. So, the 1982 version has Anthony Andrews as the main character, Sir Percy Blakeney, and he does a spectacular job. In the 34 version, it's Leslie Howard who does that role, and I like them both, but I think Andrews just cranks up the silliness of his character to 11 during certain scenes, and then when he needs to be serious, like, he pulls those scenes off equally well. So, I just, I think he's the better Sir Percy Blakeney, but... That's just me. Um, but just, I think, generally, the 1982 version has the better performances. Ian McKellen plays um, Chauvelin, who's the antagonist, and I like him a lot better than the guy who's in the 34 version. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, like, the 34 version starts at what would be the midway point of the 82 version. So, like I said, it gives you a lot more backstory and time with the characters and the 82 version also does a better job of playing up a lot of the superhero themes and motifs. I mean, there's this one scene where I swear the dialogue is pulled right out of the Dark Knight trilogy. I was like, oh my gosh, like, oh, I recognize that. I know where that's from. <laughs> Except that this is what it's really from. So ha ha ha. Um, but I don't want you to think that the 1934 version is completely worthless. It's... I think it's more faithful to the original Scarlet Pimpernel book, whereas the 82 version draws on some things from the sequels, I think. But the 34 version, I think it has great costume design, 
uh, really good production value for its day. And I like, you know, it's a black and white movie, so the lighting is a lot more dramatic. And, you know, it kind of softens them sometimes. And it just kind of makes it feel like that classic Hollywood thing. And I like that, you know, it seems more dramatic. And in the newer version, I think a lot of the colors are kind of dull and everything looks a little bit muddy sometimes. So, And, you know, it just doesn't quite pop the same way. So they're both really good. But I think if you were going to watch one over the other, you should watch the 82 version. Um, but I, I, just, I really love, like, the Scarlet Pimpernel story. I love these characters. So... Everybody should check it out if you haven't seen it. And even if you have seen it, go back and rewatch it because it's really, really good. So I'm going to give the Scarlet Pimpernel 1934 version four stars out of five. And I'm going to give the Scarlet Pimpernel the 1982 version five stars. So for next week, I'm going to be tackling a movie that I've put off for a very, very long time. It's one of the highest rated movies on IMDb and everybody always talks about it. But I've never seen it. So we're going to remedy that next week. So I will talk to you guys about that next time. And I hope you had fun at your zombie musical this week. I'm sorry. Leslie Howard, not as good as Anthony Andrews. I'm sorry. No, I don't believe that. I don't I, believe so, you, Corinne. I don't so believe So the one you. thing I do love is I love in the 1982 version at the very end mm -hmm. where he's like, allow me to introduce you to your cavalry. And he <laughs> tells all the people because they're all in on like the scam. It's awesome. <laughs> It's kind of hard to find. I think it's only on like a DVD through PBS. Right. But um, you can still like. You can find it. Yeah. You know, but it's kind of hard to track down. And yeah, I've actually seen the Scarlet Pimpernel and I actually really like the Scarlet Pimpernel because mm -hmm. um, I love the um, Corinne touched on a little bit in her review in the 82 version. He's kind of a little like cheeky, I guess. Is the, I don't know if that's the right word, but it's kind of a <laughs> wink, wink at the at the camera. And it's really fun. Can't be, if you will. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, or self-aware. Uh, yeah. Cheeky. Self-aware is a good one. Okay. You you know what words you want to use. Yeah. <laughs> Think of another English uh, word for, you know, like... Biscuity. Yes. <laughs> right. So we're going to have our tea and scrumpets, and then we'll go ahead and watch Scarlet Pimpernel take the piss out of those Frenchies. Wow. I cannot believe we got a live feed from England right there. Yeah. From someone's house, nonetheless. Even though it's not really takes place in England, I'm just saying it's, you know, <laughs> it's an English, uh, you know, uh, cast. And also... You know, back in those days, the English were, you know, French, German, whatever. They were everything. They were. Because if you're English and you can act, you can be anything you want to be. <laughs> Are English that. traditionally better actors, do you think? They play all our American superheroes. Uh, they don't play Captain America or Robert Downey Jr. Or Iron Man. Or Hulk. Or Hulk. It's just Thor. <laughs> and no, he's, he's Australian. Australian. Yeah, so... I mean, Spidey's English. Mm -hmm. Henry Cavill plays Superman. I think he that's does. why we're saying this. Ben Affleck's Batman. Christian <laughs> Yeah, Bale's Ben Batman. Affleck's totally from yeah, London. <laughs> true. So is Michael Keaton. Michael Caine played Alfred. Yeah, but Alfred's supposed to be English, right? <laughs> yeah. He is. is he always supposed to be English? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Now I'm just picturing Ben Affleck if he were born in London and not in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't get a good uh, feed on what it would be, but it would be hilarious. Trust me. Yeah. The uh, how'd you guys this week? Did you have fun? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to New Mexico? I did. What'd you do in New Mexico? Uh, well, I was gonna save it for my uh, what I've been watching. Okay. But, um, hey, we can talk about that later. Then I was just <laughs> talking about your trip in general. If you had fun. Yeah, it was good. It's a. Uh... Was this leisure? Yeah, it was just a fun getaway with friends. Oh, um, cool. 
And uh, I don't just do that that much, you know. Wait, you have other friends besides us? Oh no, Uh, my secret's out. Fucker. God, I'm depressed now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, a friend of mine. uh, She decided for her birthday she wanted to get a bunch of friends together and go check out Meow Wolf. Yeah, thanks for not inviting me, Risa. (laughs) What's Meow Wolf? (laughs) Um, It's a permanent art installation in Santa Fe. Mm. Um, It's called the House of Eternal Return. And like I said, I'll describe it okay. later. But yeah, so, but and then we, uh, you know, we we stayed in like an Airbnb, oh, nice. Adobe type house, and that was really like cozy and quaint. And yeah, but did you notice if I've been I've used Airbnb a couple times? It's way cheaper than hotels. Yeah, and it's like a house. Uh, split four ways. We split one hundred twenty bucks four ways. Nice, which would normally be like one person in a hotel. Yeah, for one night. Yeah, so unless you want to stay at you know. The Santa Fe hotels next to the crack dealers, but yeah, and this was like unique and it had a built-in sauna. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, three bedrooms. It's great. One of my favorite Seinfeld jokes. It's like a sauna in here. <laughs> After Kramer cooks himself on the roof. <laughs> so yeah, and that has been chasing Korok seeds across Hyrule. So nice. Still working on Breath of Wild, huh? I'm trying to get those 900. So damn, I'm at 680 something. A long way to go. I'm almost up to you. I have 30. You only have 30? Yeah. You've played the whole game. and you. I know, played... I haven't played the whole game. So oh, okay. my attention keeps on getting divided. Um, so Zelda's hard when you have a little guy because you have to really kind of focus on it. Um, so he's actually been get, playing Mario Party with me, which is pretty fun on nice. um, the Switch if you haven't played it yet. How different is it? Because like, I haven't played Mario Party for years. How different is it from the N64 version that my sister and I would have played? So um, you, first of all, you won't burn your uh, palm when you play the mini games. <laughs> And the mini games are super inventive. Um, so some of them you have to turn the Joy-Con. Um, like I, I'd say it's the best collection of mini games in a Mario Party. Each character has a unique die that you can use. So Bowser has like three tens, but the rest of his are like minus one or zero. Mm-hmm. So he's high risk, high reward. Where someone like Mario is, um, you know, he has like four threes and then a five and then two sixes or something like that. So each character is different. The boards are really fun. They have trigger events. It's really fun. So they have more stats for the characters. Yeah. Because I remember that first Mario Party for N64 didn't really have stats. No, so I mean, you can it. you can just play the mini games if you want. Um, you don't have to play the board game. Oh, I liked um, the board game, though. Oh, yeah. And it, they, each board is unique with, you know, characters. Like, there'll be um, thumps in some of them that block your path and you have to pay them. Um, paratroopas will take you around. Um, it's it's fun. It's uh, makes me want to. Play yeah, you should it, definitely yeah. play it. You know, I I got it because uh, a while ago, my wife told me she if I got it, she'd actually play it with me. And so Sunday, we set aside. We're like, oh, come home. We're gonna play some Mario Party and have some fun. And then my freaking switch went turn on, and I was, I was so mad. <laughs> I'm just staring at. It, I'm just my face. Like when I get mad, my ears get really red. I spend every day protecting Idaho Springs, and this is what life throws yeah, at me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm thinking the whole time, it says, man, if I have to get a new Switch, I'm going to have to play Mario again. Oh, it's not going to be that bad. But I'm going to play Mario again. <laughs> this is how- And that's why I hate digital downloads, because if I if my Switch breaks... Well, I think their intent is you're supposed to like archive your game saves onto a flashcard. Yeah, I get that, but... But if you don't do that, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> Anyway, so Brad sent me this link for a thing that I guess it's a common problem. 
It's a yeah troubleshooting thing. Yeah. Uh, and all you have to do is hold down the power button for five seconds, then hold down the volume both sides and the power button again for like five seconds. As soon as I did it, it started up again. Tap it three times and say the incantation. You know, I, it, <laughs> a lot of times I think it has to do with the hardware Clock that two, they constantly update. <laughs> Nick two. <laughs> <laughs> Necktie. Definitely an N-word. <laughs> um, I think it's because they constantly update software now. Because, you know, my Super Nintendo, I never had to do stuff like this or my Sega Genesis or things like that. Yeah, you have code overwriting code overwriting co- code that's like yeah, um, sort of untested. So it's... It's. I mean, the system. I still think the Switch is a great system. Um, I have to go to training January sixth through the eleventh in Fountain, Colorado. My Switch will be coming with me. The uh, the 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 Switch not working is a, a more modern take on how all cops gone rogue stories begin. Yes. <laughs> I, I walked outside my door and I pointed my gun in there. I'm like, "You take my Switch. You come get me, motherfuckers." <laughs> The town, I, the town. I, I just fired a bunch of rounds. I don't know how many hit targets or. The town of Idaho Springs is in danger. A cop gone rogue. <laughs> so it's like falling down with Michael Douglas, but it's because my my switch went bad. <laughs> it's the same poster, except you turn to the to the audience and wink. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Also, uh, I played Smash Brothers, the new Smash Brothers. Is it good? Again. Nice. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, pretty how many characters do they have now? I think like 64. We try to unlock them all in, in the evening we were playing. I remember when it was fucking like 8 or 12. I don't remember the first number. Yeah, this is like Snake from Metal Gear Solid and Cloud, Strife. So and the point of Sonic the Hedgehog. The new Smash Brothers is they're going to have every single character ever in a Smash Brothers in this game. Wow. Yeah, they were all in there. Yeah. That's nuts. Except um, for some reason, Toad is still not playable. Is the final boss still a giant glove? Uh... Like no, the, we did the verses was... the whole time, so I don't know. Oh, uh, okay. Because yeah. they the have sto- a new story mode and everything. I'm wondering how they fit that all in that game card. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Wizards. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's no different than like every time I look at a like a micro SD card, like it can hold two gigs. I'm like, that seems nuts to me. But then, sure but I mean, well, it, it wasn't my copy, so I couldn't explore mm. uh, you know a ton of features. But um, we haven't had opportunity to pick it up yet. I I'm still playing Spider Man, and I'm so far behind in other games. We found a glitch in it where if you, um, so like if you play versus mode and like uh, everyone, like every two matches or something, it'll say you unlocked a new challenger mm-hmm. and then you'll have to immediately jump from that versus game. So whoever, like whatever character you're using in that match, you have to use for, for the challenge. Um, but if you, uh, whether you, I think whether you lose or win that match, um, uh, after it's over, if you exit the game and start it up again, uh, the next game you play, like, well, the the conclusion of that match will unlock, like, open up a chance to fight, an, like, unlock another character. Oh, okay. Hmm. So keep exiting, entering and exiting the game. And yeah. Oh, sweet. So it's like the previous Smash Brothers where it's like, new challenger, and you have to beat them to unlock them. Yeah. Cool. And if you don't unlock them, they'll get held back into a separate menu thing. So if you go to the menu... Um, it's not on all the time, but when it allows you to, there's like a little door in the mm-hmm. bottom right-hand corner where you can go and go through each of the challenges you didn't unlock but were presented with mm. and try to fight them again without having to like do matches over and over again. That's cool. So, Well, you should play story mode telling me if the final boss is still a giant glove. Maybe <laughs> it's one is. who's gotten old and bitter. It's probably got more got... polygons. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, Kellen's uh, Mario game, by the way, there, it looks like uh, Luigi's in Mad Max territory, which is really strange. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Luigi was in the roster. I didn't. No one played him. Uh, he has to be. Has he never been in a 
Smash oh yeah, Bros. game. I have a Smash Brothers amiibo. Huh? Maybe he's never. Maybe it's not a full roster. You know, when I got his Smash Brothers amiibo, he's the only amiibo that was on clearance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, like, there's like I don't know, also sixty backgrounds. I think there's a background for each character yeah. too. So, and they're all like super elaborate and smooth, like animations and really complicated. I, I was to the point where you don't know like where you're on are on screen a lot of times. It's time. the first um, game that Nintendo, you're paying for DLC. And I remember they released a, like a video with the producer. He's like, you can buy this if you think it's worth it. That's one of the nicest ways to get DLC I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Well, Zelda it, had DLC, so it's not the first one. But I mean, like they're saying like a, a season pass kind of thing. Yeah. like the, Where like you have to buy each character separate. I don't know. Yeah. He was talking about it because um, it's kind of a new thing that they're doing. I mean, was the Zelda was just a level, right? I like that way of I, I like that way of pitching. Like, yeah, look, you can watch it or not. It doesn't matter, guys. <laughs> There's a couple things like uh, a right. couple masks. Another like story. Did mode. you have to pay for them? Well, yeah. it's, it's all twenty bucks, and then mm-hmm. like six months later, Luigi they did a second one that was like that. So you huh. got them like the motorcycle because it was the maybe I misread ballot. the article. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's kind of interesting. They're like, you don't have to buy it to enjoy Smash Brothers, but if you want to enhance your experience, where I mean, I just I pre-ordered Mortal Kombat because you get Shao Kahn for pre-ordering them, it, and Mortal Kombat is notorious for like leaving him out, leaving characters out, and they put a new one out about once a month. I mean, they did it for Injustice too. It's the same developer, so once a month to extend the life of the game you're like here's a new character i watched it developers like twitch feed with them and they said it takes about six months uh, six weeks to develop a character once they decide who they're going to do to put them in the game to balance them to add the moves so once a month i mean i, I don't mind paying for that stuff because if it's fully fleshed out you know in the mortal Kombat, they all have their own moves they all have an ending they all have a cinematic that's, no. See, that's the best pitch for DLC I've ever heard. Is just going like explaining it to me without telling me it costs a bunch of money. Yeah. Tell me the benefits. Yeah, and I mean, and now granted, I don't have a video game console system, guys. So some of them are stupid. Like I don't, I don't understand the loot boxes or yeah. like buying a gun. Like to me, that just is silly. Mm. They do that in a lot of the first-person shooters, right? Um, so, buying a gun, oh. so that you. Like for buy Call of like Duty. A, a gun for Call of Duty, so like a better gun. So like the game comes with a rifle, but you're like, I want to use a handgun. Yeah, so here's two bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, what's happening around town, Brad? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Uh, not a lot. Uh, this week, the Midnight the Esquire is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Is it Clark? I know, boo, Zach. <laughs> I, don't, I don't... Am I Clark? What the... You're Clark, yeah. You're the Clark Griswold of the podcast. Why not? All right, cool. Thanks. Ryan's thanks, cousin, thanks Eddie. call me a Chevy Chase. Oh, fucker. I'm a crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying I'm hard to work with? Hey, don't. <laughs> you're, hey. you're the asshole. I'm the crazy guy. <laughs> you know what, you guys? I'm an interchangeable child of the Griswold family, so like, I may not be here tomorrow. You know what? <laughs> you're gonna get on the sled that I polished. It's gonna go really fast, and you're gonna go into. His... You know what, Zach? Kiss my ass. Okay. Kiss my ass. Kiss my ass. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. Um, well, right on. That's a cool. Sounds like a cool midnight. Yeah. Yeah. It's also playing at the Alamo this month too. Oh yeah, like a bunch of movie parties. <laughs> that elf. Um, Actually, I wanted to go to the Home Alone one with my sister and my dad because they love that movie, but I don't think that's going to happen. But you can see it twice, the 14th or the 15th of December at the Esquire Theater. Nice. <laughs> nice. 
Cool. That's what's going on going on around town. Some cool movies are coming out on Blu-ray and Ultra HD. And we're going to talk about them in a segment called Discs in a Physical Form that we watch on our TV screen. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Um, uh, well, this is the one that, uh, well, actually two that Ryan will like. Uh, Evil Dead's coming to 4K, or Evil Dead 2, sorry. Evil Dead 2's coming to 4K. Uh, and the, but the big Shout Factory, um, releases are Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, <laughs> and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. <laughs> uh, Garbage bo- day! <laughs> Both of those movies are horrible for Shout Factory. But they're well, they're fun. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is fun. I remember fun. that. But I have not seen Texas Chainsaw Next Generation as I've spoken of before. So to complete your Texas Chainsaw, like... Do I have to? No. <laughs> um, it's a horrible film. I want to watch Matthew McConaughey However, be ridiculous. The one thing I love about Scream Factory mm-hmm. is that they will take crappy movies like Howling 2 and make cool Blu-rays for them. So I'm actually not getting these right away because I don't have like this need to see these crappy movies. However, if at some <laughs> point they have, because every once in a while they'll do a half-off sell or buy one, get one free, whatever, basically still half-off. Uh, um, I should just revoke that Christmas present and give you that instead because that would be probably worth the money. Um, but uh, The Evil Dead 2 is interesting because there's a new documentary on it in Ultra HD that's, I read it on a high-def digest and it's an hour long. I'm like, and they said that it looks amazing in uh, 4K. Uh, so I'm like, God damn it. I'm just upgrade. like the biggest sucker in double dipping on Evil Dead. And for some reason, <laughs> it's the movies that they double dip the most on. Uh, I, I just imagine you like a Looney Tune. Like it, it's your face and then all of a sudden it dissolves into a giant lollipop and says sucker on oh, it. Oh, dude. <laughs> Every time. They look at their spreadsheets and they're like, well, in this market, the statistic statistics indicate that uh, <laughs> sales went up in Denver quite often. When yeah, we whenever time we announce a new Evil Dead, some sucker. <laughs> Gentlemen, is he some kind of idiot? It's, it's cherry it'll... flavored. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cover's cool, though. Uh, but on the new release front, uh, Equalizer 2 is coming to 4K and uh, Blu-ray. Um, also, Peppermint is coming to Blu-ray. No looks of a 4K as far as I I really liked see. Peppermint. Am I the only one on the podcast that liked Peppermint a lot? Uh, yep. I, I didn't see it. I didn't think Jennifer Garner was bad in it. I thought everything <laughs> else was. So, yeah, I'm the only one. Yeah. Um, Spread Sparrow all over again. Um, uh, <laughs> Maniac's getting a re-release from Blue Underground. So, um, I don't know if this is that the same. That weird. Oh, yeah, it is. Have you seen the remake, though? Yeah. With Elijah Wood? It's That's weird even too. weirder. Yep. <laughs> um... Uh, but here's one that Ryan and I are going to find fascinating. So remember when we got Porky Pig, the 101 series mm-hmm. from Warner Archive? Well, I'm a little angry with Warner Archive right now because they're putting Popeye the Sailor Man, uh, the 1940s Volume <laughs> 1 collection, on Blu-ray. Yeah. Po- so why can't I get Porky Pig on Blu-ray? Yeah, you know, I was reading about that. I think there's only like 10 or 12 cartoons on it. And Oh, really? They licensed those, and they're... <laughs> There's, um, well, from Fleischer, from or however Hoover. they're doing it. Um, yeah, it is disappointing. However, if you do get Porky Pig 101, they have cleaned up the shorts quite a bit. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not discounting that collection. It's a fine collection, and it's. But no, the, I get it. The DVD's high end encoded. But so, regardless, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. One hundred percent. They they do a lot of things that I don't understand. And I know. It upsets me. Uh, on the Criterion front, 40 Guns. Um, you can pick that up. It's a uh, Western. 
Um, I have never heard of it, but it's from 1957, and it's so it's probably right up my old timey alley. Um, Arrow's putting out De Niro and De Palma, The Early Years, which is a collection of three films, The Wedding Party, Greetings, and Hi, Mom, uh, which are some of the early things he did before De Niro went, on, went off and did um, Mean Streets with Scorsese and apparently didn't really hang out with De Palma much after that. Scarface? <laughs> um, um, uh, uh, no, not Scarface. Uh, Untouchables. Untouchables? Yeah, Untouchables. <laughs> um, oh, that's Pacino. Um, a- another shout uh, select, though, coming out. Uh, Clint Eastwood's Hang 'em High. So uh, I love the cover on that. I know. It's like a oil painting. Yeah. Sweet. It's pretty neat. Um, I, uh, I I want it, uh, and it would actually would be the best time to do it because I only have it on DVD. So I um, heard um, – I don't think there's any new features on it, but they did a, like a 4K restoration. That's more than worth it. Um, I – all the stuff that I've been doing for the for the filmography thing, like unless I get the Blu-ray individually, mm-hmm. the rest of it was all on DVD mm-hmm. in that like booklet thing. Yeah, because there's some of those films that they transferred over to a 20 film version on Blu-ray, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And some of the ones that I want on there are not on there. So that kind of Chad Select does a good job like uh, restoring those movies. Yeah, and between that and Kino Lobor doing um uh the the Sergio Leone ones he did, mm-hmm. um I'm very much on board with uh, buying these. Um, that looks like it's about it, uh, unless I'm missing something. Um, there's a, there's a release called Ice Cream Man, and it's a, uh, looks like a horror film because it's an ice cream cone, but the ice cream looks like a skull. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's Blu-rays. Nice. We also have a segment where we dive into the Hollywood land. We pull out the trade papers and see what's happening in movie news. It's real news. That's some inside baseball trade papers. <laughs> um, Let me open up those trade papers and see what's happening down at the silver screen. See? Here, there's a movie coming out with superheroes in it. <laughs> um, it was trailer central, as uh, Ryan alluded to earlier. Um we got a trailer for a small independent film called Avengers Endgame. I don't think anybody's ever heard of it, right? Yeah. I think we should play the trailer for people who have never heard of the this company called Marvel. We should play the trailer because Tony Stark has some awesome lines at the beginning, and it sets the mood for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ant Man somehow got out of that quantum realm. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. I you know I think they did the trailer right. Yeah. There's no action. I hope there's no other trailer because I just want to go into the movie knowing only this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I read an article on The Hollywood Reporter talking about that where they said they don't need a trailer because everybody's aware of it. However, I think the trailer does play a part because they moved it up a week again. So it's a worldwide release all at the same time. Um, you know, Tony Stark... Uh, at the beginning is awesome. He's, you know, I mean, I guess the only part of his nanotechnology left is can make the helmets. Um, my, my hope, and this is kind of the thing I think ha- I'm going to see happen. I, I'm guessing maybe Captain Marvel saves him. Um, but there's, it's, it's a, weird. Like, cause he's got a um, nebula with him supposedly. Maybe, but maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, Marvel's really good at like, uh, playing with uh, how they put out their trailers. That's the other thing too, is like, I feel like 50% of this mm-hmm. trailer might not even actually be in the movie because they did the yeah. same thing with their previous one. Oh, yeah. So, I think uh, they did right. You set the tone for the film. And 
All right. All they needed to let us know was that something was going to be done about the guy who hung up his clothes to look like a cross. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody notice the obvious Jesus metaphor? Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, that he well, puts upon himself. So Thanos, that's actually from the comic books. Oh, really? I don't um, know. So in the Infinity Gauntlet, he he puts that out there to warn people, like, I did this. And, oh, it's and sorry, more like alone. a scarecrow. It's a scarecrow. But I, when I first saw it, I'm like, is this a Jesus metaphor? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, if you really – I don't know if it's going to spoil it, but you can get – You'll get the trade paperback of the Infinity Gauntlet and – it's, it ends really unusual mm-hmm. um, where – I mean it's not really a spoiler. The comic's like 30 years old. But he – basically Thanos gets bored with what he's done. And he, he – instead of being happy that he – the decimator happened, um, he reflects on maybe he made a mistake. And then it, um, Nebula kind of takes advantage of his weakness. Um, but I, I think Marvel's going a little bit of a different route because um, obviously Ant-Man plays – Apart, because he's able to get through the quantum realm without uh, uh, the original Ant Man and Wasp there, mm-hmm. and he shows up in the van. Remember, the van has the—I forget even what it's called. It has a thing to go to the quantum realm in it. So the the Pym Reactor Five Thousand. Yes, <laughs> um, um, so it's very fascinating, and I think they did it right. You don't need any action. It's just how are they going to react to this? Calling it now. Um, there's a cool shot. Of Steve, who's shaven, by the way. Yeah, he, he got rid of that beard, which kind of sucks. So but it's handsome. Not awesome. uh, the beard got snapped out of existence. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's the sacrifice. Um, oh, uh, that'd be awesome if after the snap you see like Stephen Rogers go, oh, and the, like the beard like just <laughs> disintegrates away. Oh. How hilarious would have been if like you know he does he claims half of everything will disappear and like a hundred percent of everybody just gets divided in half. <laughs> everybody dies. Are you gonna- <laughs> wow, I did not. Ex- I did not. I, I did not see this <laughs> coming. Um, which, I should have thought this through. And then you just turn and you see a, like a lower half only, and like, ah, damn, I'm gonna have no one to talk to. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. <laughs> um, but calling it now, there's a shot in the trailer where he's looking at um, his timepiece, and uh, it has um, Peggy Carter's um, um, uh, picture in it, so I think that has something to do with something. I'm gonna hope because it sounds like time travel, but I don't know. It'd be cool get one more scene with Haley Atwell. Well, I said there's be no time time uh, no time travel. Well, they've also lied to us in the past multiple times. True. True. So. Yeah, it's or I mean, I you know I can also see maybe Pepper coming to save Tony in Iron in an Iron Man suit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I, I think it. Like I said. I think it's the right tone. Um, and, I mean, obviously everyone agrees with me because it's been watched 289 million times in 24 hours. Yeah, that was the other part of the story. It's the most watched trailer in history. I watched it like 30 times. So, Oh, yeah, so you contributed. I, I only watched it twice, um, but I'm so excited. The score is really good, too. But, oh, yeah, yeah That's awesome. another one I think it's just made for that trailer. Yeah. but yeah. Um, And we also got uh, Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh, you mean Samuel Jackson and Cat Dude? Yeah, that's right. That's going to be a That looks awesome. like I mean I think it looks like there's some really awesome shots in that trailer. Yeah, including one, Samuel Jackson petting a cat. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um when she's like shooting through the atmosphere and she's just spinning and like lighting dudes up is pretty sweet. Who's Jude Law playing in that? I thought he was supposed to be uh, Mar-Vell. like Marvel. Marvel. Okay, but like it sounds like he's the villain from the way the trailer's positioning it. But maybe I'm crazy. I mean, he sounded kind of like he sounded like he was being aggressive towards her, so I don't know if that's a mentor thing or if that's just straight up he's a villain. 
He could be a two-faced villain. We yeah, I mean. That is true. Uh, We've seen that before. I mean, I don't want to ruin her, like, origin too much. But, I mean, as she, I mean, they kind of talk about it in the. Okay. He could be a Loki or an Obadi- Obadiah Stane. That is true. Yeah. Or uh, I'm trying to think of all the other Marvel movies that a have. Robert Redford. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what, what was that, that character? Alexander name? Pierce. And Alexander Pierce. Yeah. Um, um, just saying they go that well a lot. <laughs> but yeah, so she basically is taken off Earth and she gets her DNA mixed with uh, Kree blood. Mm-hmm. And that's why the squirrels hate her too. There you um, go. Um, but yeah, also, I I mean, I saw some complaints for Sam Jackson's look with the de-aging thing. I think it looks okay. I think it looks fine. I didn't even notice. Like, Yeah. Like, I put Rogue One in recently just to see how it looked on the HGTV. And it looks strange, but it, it holds up uh, enough, I guess. Um, whereas Tony Stark, um, in, uh, Civil War looks a lot better, but. Oh, I think, uh. I think they're getting better with it. I think it. Michael Douglas and Ant-Man's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's, that's pretty stellar. Um, I don't know. I, I want to see how well it's sustained for an entire yeah, film. I think it'll be all right. So. Well, I mean, how much is he actually going to be in it, too? Yeah, that's a good question. He was all over the trailer, which, I don't know, like, kind of leads me to think that he's a big but part I think, of too, it. they do that to connect the films. Um, he's also like second build in that poster, so yeah. that's uh, that's kind of like telling in my head. But what do I know? I'm just a I'm just a dork. Um, we we also got a trailer for something that I wasn't expecting to see: uh, *Brightburn*, um, which is the James Gunn produced superhero horror movie. So I guess it's a Superman parody. I think it it's, has a, a, it's a Man of Steel as, parody. It has the same beats as Superman, for sure. It's a Man of Steel parody, it sounds like. I don't even think it's just Superman. It's specifically, we're touching on Man of Steel here. Um, but yeah, this was the trailer that James Gunn was going to drop at Comic-Con before all his bullshit happened. Um, it's which, a cool idea. Like, well, yeah, no, I think it's with an all awesome those powers, idea. wasn't a good guy. And Elizabeth Banks looks great in it in terms of just like the performance she's going to have to give. So, um, uh but I, I'm I'm excited for it. It looks pretty cool. Um, I uh, I wish he could have debate, debuted this earlier, but obviously a bunch of people had to be assholes and ruin his uh, career. So yeah, well, not ruin it. He's still going to be doing things. Um, Just not for Disney, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they're lost. Yep. Yeah. Cowards. Um, uh, on a poster front, though, we got to look at the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which is something I wasn't expecting to see. Uh, it's yeah. just a silhouette of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> There's a funny article on Birth Movie's death where they're talking. To, it says, Sonic is fu- uh, f- uh, furry and, oh, my God, it's horrible. And it talks <laughs> about how terrifying it looks because he has these, like, huge muscular legs. And <laughs> they're pulling quotes from Tim Miller, who's a producer on it. Uh-huh. And they're saying, yeah, we want to make him realistic. <laughs> and it's just basically saying how horrifying it is. I guess if your legs did move that fast and often, it yeah. would be ripped. I mean, I'll always reserve judgment until I actually see it in motion. But they are, uh, and he also said that Sega wasn't happy with what they did with the eyes because they got rid of the super cartoony eyes. Um, hmm. We'll see. Uh, yeah, but it's also from the producer of The Fast and the Furious, it says. So, so it fits. I'm sure it'll have Vin Diesel in somewhere at some point. Uh, and then the final trailer um, that we got, though, was Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, we got a second trailer That's for that. That's pretty dope. I am excited. I am super Anytime excited. Anytime I see big monsters fight, I'm, I'm pretty much going back to being a kid. I'm like, I'm down. Yeah. I'll watch monsters fight. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm super stoked. I mean, like, I like that first Godzilla, but I will admit the lack of Godzilla in it is uh, very frustrating. Um, but if it's anything like Kong Skull Island in terms of just, like, how fun it is then i'm super down uh, super on board obviously um 
just pick a different one. So just going to touch on this real quick because it kind of dropped, but uh, Amy Adams in a uh, podcast for Vanity Fair recently said that she doesn't know what's going on with her at DCEU. And she she thinks that it's like being retooled or something like that. So like oh uh, yeah, I mean I which is obvious, but yeah, if you look at Aquaman trailers and Shazam, and Shazam is the only movie next year for DC, right? Uh, Birds of Prey. No, that's not till twenty twenty. I don't think. Oh no, yeah, you're right. Because that's February twenty twenty. I think twenty twenty then... is Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey. Yeah, that's right. You're right. I'm wrong. Um, I got it wrong. Um, but yeah, so um, with. Cavill and everything like that. And I guess Momoa touched on it at one point going like, if they want to do it, the whatever, like, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, man. Um, yeah. so, woo-hoo! Mama! if I have to hear that in a, a Aquaman trailer one more time, that woo, Affleck's not dressed like a bat. I dig it. I dig it. I don't. I liked Ben Affleck as Batman. No, I do too. I just didn't like the way they wrote him. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but I've turned coded on that film over the past two years, like hardcore. Like uh, I can't watch it anymore. No, no conviction. I, I don't. I guess not. No, I'm 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 a I'm a slippery worm. Um, actually, that's a lie. I have conviction on something. Uh, we got a plot synopsis for the new Jordan Peele movie Us, which comes out early next year, and I'm gonna love that movie no matter what. Probably. Um, it um, the description is a mother um, and a father take their kids to the be- to their beach house, expecting to unplug and unwind with friends. But as night descends, their serenity turns to tension and chaos when some shocking visitors arrive uninvited. Sounds it's like, get up. He <laughs> <laughs> just pissed on his dreams. How? <laughs> what? Uh, they, the couple was going for a weekend getaway. Granted, it was a place where they knew the people. And then a bunch of strangers show up at the party. They don't know. And then that's Holy happens. fuck, he's right. Uh, <laughs> um, but... You know, knowing knowing Peel, I'm sure he'll have an interesting twist to add on to it. I'll never like like I mean I'll, I won't be convinced of like what the story is until I see the trailer um, for most things. And with Get Out, that's certainly definitely a um, a factor in that because like the the trailer for Get Out is what like compelled me in the first place. And then word of mouth builds, and then you go see it, and you're like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Um, it's gonna have a little Pete Nyong'o and Winston Duke uh, from Avengers. So. Um, nice. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, the uh, something pretty interesting happened. I guess the there's there's scores that are going to be disqualified from the Oscar race. Um, and I'm only bringing this up because Solos is uh, disqualified because they submitted their score a week late. <laughs> yeah. I, how do you do that? I don't know. It's like them and a couple other ones. Like, how, what else do you have to do? So green. Someone dropped the ball. So green, but well, th- theirs is literally just uh, solo had like had uh, oh god, I'm late with my paper um, mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, green Book's issue, which we'll talk about Green Book in a little bit, but their issue is is that there's an overwhelming amount of popular already established music that it outweighs the score, so it disqualifies it, um, and that also. Um, seems to be the case with uh, The Other Side of the Wind, which had over an hour of music recorded for it, but only 40 minutes was used. Um, and I also think that the fact that it's a, actually a movie from 1974 had something to do with it, but whatever. You know, the Academy's always hated Orson Welles. Whatever. Um, but the thing that's uh, kind of the most frustrating is, uh, so Johan Johansson, who was the uh, composer for Arrival, uh, his last score was for Mandy. And it will be disqualified because Mandy was released VOD before theatrical. That's its disqualifying run. I don't. I'm sorry. I think that's BS. 
I don't know. I get, I get why they're doing it. Me, but. I get why they're doing it. They're stand by their dumb conviction, um, which apparently buckles when people call the popular Oscar stupid. So I don't know. Um, related to the Oscars, though, Kevin Hart was announced to be the host of the Oscars and then dropped out <laughs> um, because of some tweets that he had from his past. Um, so now apparently there's going to be a uh, – there's a board meeting coming up with ABC, and that's going to be a huge point of discussion is so, how I are you going to fix this? He, 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 I'll tell you how you fix it. If you're Kevin Hart, you apologize for being a freaking asshole. Yeah, and then you go do the job. Yeah. You, yeah. It, it, I, I knew this was going to be trouble. I remember three or four years ago, he talked about how he didn't want his kid to ever be like – how he, he didn't – I'm sorry. He didn't want to ever play a gay person because it's something he couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And he already had these, and it's just like James Gunn. You already know. It's not even hard. It's not even hard to know this. Yeah, how does the Academy not vet what the you, fuck they're doing? I know this, and I'm a dumbass from Denver, Colorado. Yeah. You know, it's... it's, it's, uh, it's they're not text... I don't think they're tech savvy, because I don't think they know how to look through a fucking Twitter feed. It sounds like... I've got like. a better idea. Don't televise it and hand out the awards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, well, what that's, that's, just, that's what they used to do. That's what they used to do. And there's a contract through 2024 with ABC, so that's not going to happen. Or you hire someone like The Rock... Or Emily oh, Blunt. Oh or my god, I didn't even think of The Rock. That'd be great. Someone who's not going to be you, controversial. You, you can't put Emily Blunt up there this year because she's going to win an Oscar this year, guys. Come That's on. okay. That's okay. The more Emily Blunt, the better. Um, she's going to get nominated twice for A Quiet Place and Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, Best performance in a bathtub. Um, related, though, we did get a Golden Globe nominations this week, and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse got nominated, and Black Panther got a Best Motion Picture Drama nomination, yeah. so the barrier's, been bro- forever. the barrier's been broken at one point. We won't find out until January if it's been broken at another point. I have a f- strong feeling. I think Black Panther has a chance to win Best Picture, too, at Oscars. It won't. But it I, has a chance. It has a chance to be within like the the finalists yeah. in, in terms of the the way the ballots work. But I don't think it's gonna win. I yeah, think I think eventually all the old fogies will go away. And it, um, you know what? I'll be honest. If if I saw any Disney movie having a chance at winning the statue this year, it's actually Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Hopefully, I don't care. I mean, if all works out, Spike Lee will win his uh, first and only Oscar for directing, which would be nice. Um, there's a great interview with. Emily Blunt in um, the New Entertainment Weekly, where they're talking about. They said, "So, what was it like to work with uh, Dick Van Dyke?" And they said, "Well, we were supposed to be his spotters to get him up on like the desk." Uh-huh. And at 92 years old, he just jumped up there and started dancing without any help. And afterwards, she came over and she watched the monitor and she said she just started crying because it's so beautiful. Did you hear the other part? Another story with him mm-hmm. and her. Apparently, he came up to her, uh, patted her on the shoulder, and just started saying, It's a jolly holiday with Mary. <laughs> That's awesome. ah! I love Dick Van Dyke. Ah! Oh, Good dude. He better not die before the movie's released. I swear to fucking Christ. Well, ne- you don't next, even say stuff like that. He's, next next seven forever. days, shut up, God. Um, and anyway, that's news. Uh, we also got a description of Spider-Man Far From Home. We did. They released a trailer, that. but... At uh, Brazil Comic Con. Oh, I... um, but they didn't put it online. Um, in the trailer, Mysterio and Spider Man team up to fight Hydro Man. Which, the way I look at that is, Mysterio made it up. Is, <laughs> is so. I have this feeling that Mysterio, like the trailer, leads you believe that Nick Fury asked Spider Man to help Mysterio stop Hydro Man, and I, I have this feeling that maybe Hydro Man's a like a. 
illusion by Mysterio. A red herring. And he's using it to like lure Spider-Man and S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. Um, we'll see. Mm, I heard okay. it's pre- I heard it's pretty interesting. He in... might, yeah, he might be like trying to get to shield by like, oh, I, I can eat this easily susceptible kid who doesn't yeah. know any better. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see it because um, I always, you know, Mysterio is all about deception, and there's I'd be so is Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. <laughs> He's been pretty funny on Instagram lately. I don't follow him. How, what does he do? So there's uh, they re- revealed him as Mysterio because they've never really actually officially announced it, right? And he's like, I don't follow him on Instagram either. I just follow Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. And uh, he's reading a Mysterio Spider-Man comic, and he pulls it down and he says, wait a minute, I'm not Spider-Man? What the fuck? <laughs> 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 Sorry. And, and then uh, on Tom Holland's, he's in Brazil. He's like, oh, I'm so excited to be here promoting Spider-Man. And he's like, and Jake's here too. And he's in the bathroom in the mirror going, thwip, 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 thwip. <laughs> <laughs> just be silly. I mean... It, I didn't know Jake Gyllenhaal was so funny. Why can't we, like... I'm, I'm glad we've made him a thing. It took a while, but we made him a thing. Mm-hmm. Remember when it was, like... Like, after Brokeback Mountain, it, there's, like, a bit of a lull, and then Zodiac happens, and then it slowly builds up again. Oh, no, he's a great actor. I oh, know. dude, I fucking... Uh, Zodiac, man. One of the best films ever made. And he's a big part of that. So, yeah, yeah, that's news. This is what we've been watching this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, I got a 4K copy of The Lion King. Mm. And uh, it's, uh, again, I uh, don't have the complete setup for 4K, so I can't be exactly sure, but it's pretty solid. Like, there's no artifacting. Um, I don't know if you've ever, like, looked up close on a, a TV screen, but uh, mm-hmm. even on Blu-ray, there's still, like, parts that, like, pixels that compress and decompress and morph as the picture changes, but uh, this 4K, man, is super sharp. And I read a review of it, and they said you can see the brush strokes like in the backgrounds. Yeah, the, the, the pencil lines in the character animation is pretty like ragged. And then um, I think 4K actually is detrimental to 2D animation mm-hmm. because it really amplifies, like it really feels like cells on top of cells. Mm. Um, so like... You know, when they zoom into Pride Rock or something and, like, the the background plate moves mm-hmm. independent of the rock. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can tell that it's a layer. But, like, and we were watching, like, a bit of it on my 4K TV down here. And the thing that I would keep in mind on that is that this is one of the first ones to utilize computer. So we would really need to see a film that – or an animated film that was done before the computer age to really get a sense of what it will – Effect and not effect. Yeah. And then uh, trying out the Blu-rays on some of these 4K, you know, companion discs. Um, actually, I think, like, because when you put a Blu-ray into a 4K player, it upscales it. Mm-hmm. And it makes it a little blurry, but it feels more like a film. Like, it feels more fluid and, like, less more digital. Yeah. Uh, which is, <laughs> actually, I think it's, it, 4K helps regular Blu-rays um, yeah. in animation and stuff. So, um, yeah. Good job, bud. And then the other thing I saw is, uh, so this weekend I went to Meow Wolf to check out their <coughs> installation, and uh, there was a documentary that was released during the Denver Film Festival called uh, The Meow Wolf Origin Story, and they had it on sale in the gift shop at Meow Wolf, so I picked it up and checked it out. And uh, It's the standard story of, like, anarchist artists, like, coming together, and then 
the traditional story of like trying to balance uh, maintaining the the culture of artists while also like we have to also treat it as a business to make money. To the, the art versus commerce saga. Yeah. Like it's great that, you know, we have the freedom to do this, but the only way we have the freedom to do this is if, you know, someone pays for the space and someone pays for uh, the materials, you know, the color um, of freedom is green. Yeah. And people have to respond to the art to, you know, get that money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the really kind of defeating part, for, like it's a great inspiring story. Um, these, uh, you know, Santa Fe also is like Adobe Aspen, where it's like all rich person galleries, <laughs> right? And very traditional safe I've art. Never heard that's funny. Yeah, um, and so there's this underrepresented. Can you say Adobe? <laughs> <laughs> An under uh, underrepresented you know, culture of artists, like punk artists who like um, you know didn't fit in, so they you know uh, found a space for like a hundred bucks a month. They split that amongst themselves, so you know it's really cheap, and then. Um, you know, it started out as just drawing on the walls in that space. And eventually when they ran out of space to draw on the walls, they built uh, structures within uh, like uh, columns of things that they could draw on. And then it just got more and more elaborate. And then uh, eventually a gallery in Santa Fe really liked what they this like 3D thing they were just doing with trash like put together. And they were uh, commissioned to rebuild it in their in the different gallery. And then at that point, like people wanted credit for things, and that's when all the friction starts to happen, and people leave. And uh, um, the whole concept of Meow Wolf is like the the name was drawn drawn out of a hat. Like two, everyone mm-hmm. put in na- like single words, and then they pick out combinations. They pick the best one, but they also combine the idea of artistic uh, achievement being a beast that always needs to be fed. Mm-hmm. So the Meow Wolf is this energy that's always like pulling these artists in, uh, you know, because it needs them to make something. Um, and then, you know, if it's really good, the beast is what is able to amplify that. Mm. Mm. Um, and so their most famous installation right now is the house of eternal return. And, uh, it was bankrolled by, and this is the defeating part is like, it's, it's again, like success seems to come from who, you know, Mm -hmm. and so they found this bowling alley in Santa Fe and, uh, in between the time that everyone was off doing their own projects, mm-hmm. um, the main one of the original guys met George R. R. Martin um, and kind of got to know him. And then eventually, when it came around to buying this bowling alley, you know, he approached him. He said, "You know, it's going to cost three hundred thousand dollars, and you know, it'd be really cool. And we know you like sci-fi stuff, and you know, we have this great idea for this thing we want to do." And then they actually had it appraised, and it was going to cost one point eight million to renovate it. Oh shit! Wow. <laughs> and they show like George R. R. George R. R. Martin. He's in the documentary too. Just being like, yeah, they told me it's three hundred thousand dollars, and then they showed me this contract, and it's way more than that. And I just uh, took a breath, and uh, I, I, you know, rolled the dice. And then, it, like later on, uh, one of the founding guys, um, he met this other guy um, who was also like a lot of these artists are, you know, some are like really depressed or suicidal, mm-hmm. um, and they're all misfits and they all have their uh, issues and things. But this one guy, like, he was the peacemaker, and all these artists that had competing, vis- competing visions and would get in arguments and stuff, like, he'd be the guy who would come in, like, look, you know, we're all sharing this common goal. He calmed him down. Uh, but he also had uh, severe depression, and he went for electroshock treatments. Uh, and eventually, uh, he did too much of it, and he got pneumonia in the process and wasn't paying attention, and then fell into a coma, and 25 hours later, he died. And then. Fuck. Uh, at that point, a lot of the Meow Wolf artists had 
you know gone across country and done their own things and like that all brought them back to santa fe mm-hmm. um and they found their like uh you know what binds them together again through him and uh that's why I, um there's like a learning center in mia wolf for like children and stuff to like learn things and it's named after him mm. um it's neat in the house of eternal return uh i i, I went and saw it and it it is amazing um it's sort of based around a story of there's this standard Victorian house. And that's the first thing you see when you walk into the room is the, the front of this Victorian house. And you go inside and the story is that the, the family living inside it is kind of like a family of spiritual scientists. And eventually they've done one too many experience, experiments and the house has kind of exploded and created alternate dimensions attached to it. Oh, neat. So you go in and, you know, there's like a, a study and then there's a staircase and there's the living room and dining room off to the right. But the living room, the fireplace, if you look down, has a hole in it. And you crawl through the fireplace and you come out and it's like an ice cavern with a woolly mammoth that's like embedded in the wall. Fuck. And if you pick up like these sticks and go like tap his bones and he's he lights up like, you know, LED. So he's like glowing. But if you tap his like rib cage, it does like it's like piano keys. So you can like play music on it. Wow. And then um, like the dining room has a like a flat screen TV in the walls of a painting. And it's kind of like projecting the story that's going on. Then you go to the kitchen, and then uh, standard kitchen. There's a there's a newspaper on the table that kind of describes like the father is kind of like uh, a guy who uh, does uh, like meetings for like, hey, you know, join my new way of thinking like seminar seminar guy. Uh, and then the refrigerator. If you open the refrigerator, it's a passage through the refrigerator. So you, oh, you walk through cool. the refrigerator, and then uh, it goes into. Um, Almost like a, the Star Trek hallway. So there's a bunch of like sliding doors. If you put your hand on the panel, the doors slide open. They go into other rooms. Um, out back, um, or in the upstairs in the kid's bedroom, if you open his closet door, you go in. And then behind, the, there's like this hallway that has like a piano. But the piano doesn't play like keynotes. Like some of it's more like a, like a different instrument. It sounds like it. Uh, the bathroom, like... The floor's all warped because, like, the explosion from the experiment, like, blew the floor up. Please tell me you crawled through the toilet. No, but there's uh, (laughs) – I don't think it was working when I was there, but there's supposed to be a screen in the toilet. So you're, like, watching something. (laughs) Um, That's clever. uh, But, yeah, and there's – what else? Oh, yeah, under the staircase, like, like the Harry Potter's bedroom, uh, that goes out into, like, this area that kind of becomes, like, a Chinatown of, like, weird – uh, creatures and things. Um, oh, kind of like uh, Hellboy Two: The Golden Army. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's like weird, um, like s- different cereal boxes with like different languages on them and stuff. It's not Chinese, but it's just like all the made up stuff. Nice, that's but pretty. The, but it looks like the characters and things. Uh-huh. Um, th- there's a tree house in back um, with there's mushrooms growing on the tree. And again, to... if you slap the mushrooms, they change color and play. Oh, you don't notes. get to climb them though, do you? No, but there's there's so many other things to climb. There's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a staircase in back that's like surrounded by wooden clouds, and then as it goes down, it gets narrower and narrower Oof. in the spiral, so it gets really tight. You have to slide down. Uh, there's a washing machine in back that uh, is a slide, so you open the washing machine door and slide down, and it, like it's like this mirrored uh, tunnel with uh, twinkling lights. Oh damn! There's are... like a little orb spaceship out back, it's like Goofy's house. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a tree house back there. There's like this uh, black and white room. That's like looks like it's painted, like all the furniture and stuff. Cool, I'll live there. There's like a hallway of just uh, 
what is it um crt tvs that uh just kind of wrap around um see who says you need drugs this sounds trippy enough (laughs) yeah there's a half of a school bus that's tipped vertically so you're like looking up and driving Thing. Oh, um, so it'll fuck with my head, but I want to go. Yeah, and there's like one room that's just all black, and there's like a little pillar in the center, and there's like these red lasers pointing down, like in a in a triangle. So there's like a set of ten, ten, ten lasers, and you if you stick your hand through the different beams, it mm-hmm. like plays music, so you can play it just by blocking it. That's nuts. Yeah, is it a per- it's a permanent installation, right? Yeah, as long as it's making money, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I want to find a way to go to That's this. That's the idea. Caveat. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, um, we're supposed to get one in Denver in two years, so. Ooh. Our own. I don't want to wait. It won't be the same concept, but. I don't want to wait. I want to see this one specifically. Yeah, I think the Denver one's going to be more VR headset, though, because the, the <sighs> promo they had there showed, like, a, like a battle mech, mm-hmm. and the person inside was, like, wearing a VR headset, and I think it's going to be a smaller, more virtual thing. Mm. I hope it's not though, because the level of craftsmanship and like detail and that—that's the half the reason I want to go. Yeah, the other half would be to lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> it's it, like it might be better than like Disney quality stuff. Like Disney's really good at animatronics, mm-hmm. but these their installation is like just really like more abstract, and architectural, inventive, I guess. Because mm-hmm. there's just like so many styles mushed together into like this mm-hmm. one thing. It's it's like Pretty a impressive. Tarantino movie come to life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> said so many different styles. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's pretty cool. And that's all I watched and did this week. Zach? Uh, I uh, watched a couple things. Um, I continued The Gauntlet um, on Netflix, um, but I'm, I've am i only seen half so far, so I'm, I'm a terrible binge watcher. Um, but I saw the Atlantic Rim episode, and that one was fucking awesome. Uh the I can't remember his name, um, but he's the he, uh, it's so it's a big old Pacific Rim knockoff. But there's one guy in the command center who's wearing a, a eye patch the entire time, and he's just growling and snarling. And it it looks like Aaron Eckhart if he were dumber. And so it was it was pretty uh, fun to watch that one. Um, and then the but the other one, Lords of the Deep, I think I laughed harder at that one than I did at. Maybe even Mac and me. That Lords of the Deep one is fucking, because it's like there's nothing really like too spectacular about Lords of the Deep in terms of like it being a monster movie, because like it's just it's puppet manta rays, like so it's like and it's a Roger Corman produced film, so it's like terrible like effects, but the characters in that film are fucking ridiculous, and I love the jokes they were making about Jeff Galuli, um uh. With, because one of the guys looks like Jeff Galuli yeah. from uh, the Tanya Harding thing, uh, but one of the great thing was is that um, I was waiting for them to do this since they rebooted MST3K, where they make some really old timey references, uh, and in in Lords of the Deep, there's a lot of psychedelic tunnels for no reason um, to show the 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 psychedelic psychic connection between the monsters and the humans, and near the end, Ryan. They do um, all three of the all three of the riffers, the Jonah and the two bots, do uh, are going through the psychotropic tunnel, and they go, "Hey guys, did you ever hear Cary Grant did acid?" <laughs> and then each of them does a different Cary Grant impression awesome. while tripping on acid. It's really funny. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, um, I'm gonna continue with it. I like the story that I like how they're connecting it. Um, it's not like so connective that you have to watch it next. 
but uh, there's clearly they're clearly leading up to something, and I think Brad already kind of spoiled it for me, but we'll see um, how that plays out. Um, I finally cracked into a 4K disc um, uh, on my new TV and watched Goodfellas in 4K. Um, and it looks fucking amazing. Um, I actually was texting Ryan afterward. Like you can tell when the stock changes or when the frame rate changes and like how it affects the film because that was shot on film. So the grain level is different. Mm -hmm. However, though, I read some reviews afterward that said that they thought it was terrible. So I'd like to, you know, kind of do some more comparison stuff on it. But like, as far as Goodfellas, you know, it's, it's Goodfellas. It's, it's Good a movie. fucking classic, you know, um, it, it's directed by a guy that James can't stand, but whatever, he's wrong. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. And I actually just got Black Klansman on Blu-ray. So I want to watch, or on um, 4K. So I want to watch that because that was shot on 16 millimeter yeah. and 35 stock. Um, so that would be interesting. Um, I saw the favorite, um, which Brad saw last week and so did Henry. Um, I loved it. I, definitely like one of my favorite films I've seen this year. Um, cause that usually, and it, that usually does happen near the end of the year. A couple of things come out where I'm just like, I can't not put it on the list and talk about it. Um, whether or not this will make the list, I don't know. I still got to move things around, but the story is about the court of favor, uh, between two people trying to win the affection of queen Anne, played by Olivia Coleman. Um, racial wise and Emma stone are brutal to each other in this film. And like that trailer, thank God it's as accessible as it is. Cause once you get into the film, it becomes less accessible as it keeps going. Um, for a Yorgos Lanthimos film though, it's pretty tame. Um, I mean, if you've seen the lobster, um, then this is less weird, but there's still weird stuff in it. Um, I've, I, the whole time I was watching it, I'm just like, this is a wonderful parody of the upper class. Um, or even satire. Like, I mean, kind of delves into both really. Um, like they raise ducks in the middle of the court for for the for only the reason that they're rich and they can fucking do it. Uh, there's a scene where they're throwing a bunch of fruit at a naked a naked fat man in there for no reason because they're all fucking rich. They can do that. Um, uh, but uh, great performances all around. There's fisheye nonsense in this film that's doesn't distract me. I get why he's doing it, but I don't really care about it. Like I know it's bothered some people. I don't. I didn't care. I could have done without it. I kind of wished he hadn't done it, but whatever. Um, the 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 two standouts of this film, though, is the cinematography and Nicholas Holt. Uh, the cinematography is kind of like naturally lit, so it almost kind of emulates um, Barry Lyndon, that Stanley Kubrick film that he made in the mid seventies. Good movie. Yeah, um, where it's like it, there's if he has any source lighting or anything like electrical, it's it's minimal at best because it's mainly lit by the candles around um, or the natural daylight. Um, and Nicholas Holt plays a member of parliament that's trying to influence Queen Anne and her decisions with the war. <laughs> and he is hilarious in this film because he's just playing a stuck up, uh, like two faced little asshole throughout the entire flick. And I just, I had never seen him be this, uh, engaging outside of Mad Max. Um, cause like other than that, the only thing I really look at him as is beast. So, and Mad Max is like definitely a choice, but this one kind of, it's, it's almost like a combination of the two where he's very subtle, but he's also, you know, very memorable. So, um, I would see the favorite. I think it's really good. Um, and if you haven't seen the lobster or killing of the sacred deer, this is a great way to enter into that, uh, 
um, world of Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, it might even get you to watch Dogtooth, which I think is the best film he's done in his career thus far. Um, I saw Green Book uh, with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Um, it's fine. Um, I I think it's a little too traditional for its own good. Um, it's basically dazing, driving Miss Daisy in reverse and with two men. Um, so it's more accessible to me. I guess so, but like because it's two men. Ah ha ha ha! Oh, um, but no, I mean, Vigo's great in this fucking flick. Like he, another knockout performance. Um, and he, uh, he, he's got a bulkier look to him, which is kind of interesting. Like in terms of like both his upper body and also his gut. So does he fight somebody completely naked? No, he does not. Oh, so I'm still waiting for that sequel to Eastern Promises. No, no, he beats up people pretty good though. Um, does he fight any orcs? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, does are, he fight orcs are racist, naked? Are racist cops orcs? I don't know, Ryan, are racist cops orcs? Um, they could be. Okay, well, in that case, yes, he fights orcs. Um, but, um, but yeah, if you don't know the story already, it's um, uh, Viggo Mortensen plays a uh, a uh, bouncer who's going on leave from his job at the Copacabana, so he gets a job driving Mahershala Ali's character around while he does a concert tour in the South. Uh, Mahershala That's Ali great. plays the, uh, uh, the the performer in question, and he is fucking great for a film that's kind of delving down traditional roots. Like he he manages to hold his own very well in a very like like standard film. Um, like the biggest issue with this film is that it is very like tame compared to what it could have been. Um, but for a movie directed by Peter Fairley. The of the Fairley Brothers, very impressive. I did not realize he had that in him. Um, so, like for that, I kind of give it a lot of like props in the world. You know, like it's a film that I would rewatch, but I don't know if I'd necessarily um, uh, consider it for the top ten list. Um, but it's gonna it's gonna get nominated all over the place. So what do I know? Um, and then the last thing that I saw this week was actually with Ryan because we got to see an early peek of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's right. But Which is our movie it? of the next next of the week next yeah, week, right? Yeah, so we'll talk about it next week, I believe. But... Are we doing that next week? I don't know what else we would see. So. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah so. so we'll talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse next week because yeah, I just wanted to... I'll probably go see it again. I just wanted, I wanted to brag about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably see it again because, uh, spoiler alert, Stay tuned till next week, and I'll tell you all about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I did watch one more thing. Shutter Island. I rewatched it on Blu-ray. I like that film more and more every time I watch it because it reminds me of a lesser Hitchcock film. Um, that film, especially looking at it on the TV, it looks like it's. I mean, it looks like it's intentionally supposed to capture the look of an older. Um, of an older, uh, like B movie, like a Val Luton movie. I would call uh, like equated to. Yeah, um, my, my my big problem with that is Scorsese's trying to do that, and I just I see through it throughout the whole film. But if but but to someone who's not like you and me, who hasn't heard of like Val Luton stuff like that, yeah, I could see it working really well. I mean, it's shot well, performances are good. It's just too predictable for me. Yeah, Shutter Island's biggest problem is that that story is predictable. But I do like the questions it raises afterward, thinking about it in terms of like, well, is he like what? What's the bottom line here with Leo's performance? But at the end of the Leo. day, it's very much a solid answer. He's yeah. he's going to get that lobotomy so that he can forget that he's a shitty human being who killed his wife. Even Whoa, though he was spoilers. Ever... <laughs> yeah, sorry. 
I forgot that. Movie. I guess he's going to burn this motherfucker to the ground. I guess is your next thing. See, you know what? I listened to an episode a couple weeks ago. You already spoiled the end of this movie. Did I? Or one of the twists, at least. Good. Um, also, I forgot Jackie Earl Haley was in that movie, and mm. he's terrifying in that movie. Maybe that's how he became Freddy Krueger. He's in the house that <laughs> Leo getting, burned down. Wait, was getting beaten to shit by... <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's all I watched this week, guys. Uh I watched Bull Durham. I haven't seen it in a very long time. The Criterion? Yeah. Nice. It's nice. Uh, it's fun. Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins are really great in it. Um, it. It's a baseball movie, but it doesn't play on your traditional baseball tropes. It's about minor leaguers, and they really don't win anything. They start to, but then they're also like Tim Robbins is not a good person, and he's really dumb. They win honor. They, oh, yeah. Um, Susan Sarandon's great in it. Um, the the movie's really well done. If you haven't had a chance to see it, make sure you check it out. What they put in special feature wise? Like uh, the they have a lot. They have interviews with uh, Ron Shelton, and um, they carried over a commentary, the leaflet, and it's really uh, well written. Um, cool. They have a few other things. I can't remember off the top of my head. I just saw it like a couple weeks ago. I forgot to talk about it. But you should pick it up if you like Bull Durham. Okay, <laughs> and, um, and it's uh, it's another restoration by Criterion, so it looks really great. Nice. Um, I just got their magnificent Ambersons during before the sale ended, so I can't wait to see what they did with that. I watched some Family Guy because um, it was released at Best Buy only, and I didn't know if where was else was that. I saw it at Target and Walmart. So oh, so I guess Amazon. They're just like fuck Amazon. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I didn't know that because I was I had to go pick him up, and I was like, oh, I should uh, see if Family Guy still came out, and there was one left. So I had to like pre-order it and then go pick it up. I skipped on it because I didn't have the the uh, the slip cover this time. Yep. And if it's not gonna have that, then I can get it anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, me and uh, my wife are starting to watch Reno Nine One One, which I haven't seen in a long time, and that show is completely ridiculous but really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like a show where they're literally just friends hanging out, pretending to be cops, and they're like, "Let's improvise this part right now." Um, there's this really, and you forget all the really great comedians that have little bit roles in it. Um, there's this one. So officer dangle played by, uh, Tom, uh, Thomas Lennon, Thomas Lennon. Thank you. Uh, he picks up, uh, Ken Marino cause he's looking for his dog. And so dangle is also gay because he wears those really short shorts and there's parts where he pulls dudes over and just makes out with them after they're talking to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's talking to, uh, Ken Marino while they're looking for his dog. And they end up drinking wine and having cheese. <laughs> and then later on the episode, He's like, uh, yeah, you want to see my badge? And he pulls out his wall. He's like, oh, that's cool. He's like, man, your belt's really nice. He says, I know I have so much stuff on it. He's like, a gun? He's like, yeah. And so he picks up the gun. He's looking at it. And he gives it back to him. He says, do you have pepper spray? He's like, yeah. So he gives Camarino pepper spray. And he pepper sprays him in the eye and steals his wallet. And uh, for like a minute, he's just sitting in his car crying. And he starts wiping his eyes, and then Ken Marino comes to the other side and just blasts him again. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, so, yeah, watch Reno 91. You can stream it. I want to rewatch the movie. I remember my dad oh, yeah, wanted to see it. The movie's the great. Rock has a great cameo in that. Yeah. Um, I watched Jingle All the Way, which I haven't seen in a long time. But, Put that cookie down. But um, I'm, I was never really a big fan of it. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking for stuff to watch with my kid. And I kind of like it more now because the absurd absurdness of like trying to get double man and um and the little punk kid that's all he wants bill hartman's subplot yes bill hartman's subplot is really kind of funny where all the women want him because he's a single dad and he makes cookies i don't know um it's it's really ridiculous but it's 
pretty funny. The Blu-ray you can get, I think it's five bucks at Walmart. It has a director's cut on it, so you can see five more minutes of Jingle All the Way. Holy shit, there's um, a director's cut. Yeah, I watched The Other Guys, which I haven't seen in a long time either, which is Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, who are shitty cops. And then That's my second favorite Adam McKay movie. I, I love The Rock and uh, Samuel L. Jackson in it, or superstar cops, and they think they can jump from a 30-story building into bushes. <laughs> there goes my hero. <laughs> and, and then they die because they can't. <laughs> <laughs> the shot's so funny because it's in slow motion and it follows them all the way down until they hit the concrete. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, it's uh, good stuff. Uh, man, what else did I watch? Um, just a couple more things. I watched. Uh, I went when I went and saw um, Anna and the Apocalypse. I was standing in line, and Sloan's Lake started has a merch like booth now. They both do. Yeah, um, but I, did, I never noticed it at Sloan's Lake before because um, when I went there last time, they just had like the tiki cups out. And now they have like a full blown merch. And I was looking over and I saw this movie called The Invitation, which I've never seen and I've never heard of. And I've been to Alamo so many times I can't believe I've heard of it. It's a I remember when it was out there. Yeah, it's yeah. a uh, it's a draft house film. I think Steve recommended it on the film explosion he was he on. He did. Yeah. Um. So it's really good. Um. Uh. The dude who's in Upgrade is Logan Marshall Green. He's the main character in it, and he's invited to his ex wife's house for a dinner with his new girlfriend, and he thinks it's really weird. Um, when he gets there, it's all his old friends, and it's it's not really a it is a horror film, but not in a traditional way, um, because there's something in his past with his ex wife is why they separated, and they went separate ways. Like he hasn't seen his ex wife in two years, so he's really kind of weirded out that he got a invitation to her house with her new husband, and uh, all his his friends are there, and this film slowly devolves as the characters um, explain more about the past and why they're there and choices they make. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much takes place in one room, so it's kind of like a play, and it's really well made. Um, it actually gets kind of creepy. Um, I, you should watch it. It's really good. It sounds like that Polanski movie Carnage, except without the baggage of Polanski. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it could be. I don't know. I watch. I don't watch Polanski movies. Yeah, um, no, no, I know. I'm just like I was just thinking it to myself. Who does John Carroll Lynch play, or is that a surprise? Uh, yeah, just watch it because don't. <laughs> if you want to see it, don't watch the trailer. The trailer kind of blows its load. So, um. It, you you should just watch it going in cold. It's 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 a really um it's a really good movie. Um I, I highly recommend it. Um and yeah, that's what I watched this week. Sweet. Uh this week on Real Arts Podcast we went and saw Anna and the Apocalypse. Brad, did you see Anna and the Apocalypse? I did. Oh, I I, I didn't know you were able to. Yeah, I went with this guy. Cool. <laughs> Brad, should people see Anna and the Apocalypse? Yeah, I don't know. Um I'm kinda lukewarm on it because uh it is well made and entertaining um but it owes a lot to to Shaun of the dead um and the music is very electro pop i guess or high school musical pop yeah <laughs> uh so the songs aren't i'm not really into even though like i think they're chore- like the numbers are choreographed well and they're implemented in the story pretty creatively um but also like the dramatic stuff didn't really hit for me it just felt hollow um cuz i felt like maybe it was trying too hard um so yeah it's okay i I think if if you like musicals you'll like it um but it's um is anything else i don't know it's kind of meh Mm -hmm. zach um actually i would i would recommend you go see it however i don't know if i'll revisit it anytime soon this is a film that'll clearly like gain popularity over time like build an audience um and um uh 
My issue with it ultimately is I don't I I think I'm a little too old for this film, which feels weird to say, um, because of the High School Musical factor with the music. Um, but I will give all the props in the world to that cast because they are entertaining and engaging as all heck, uh, and they sell those songs. Um, and the the horror element's pretty fun too. Like there's some really creative, unique shots in it. I just think at the end of the day, though, I don't. It's like it's okay for me, but I'm sure that other people will love it, and I'm glad that they will because it definitely isn't. It is a fun time. I I left happy, but then after that, not really like thinking about it that much afterwards. So, um, but yeah, I stay. I say go see it, but especially if it's still at Sloan's, go see it in the theater. I I say go see. I had a lot of fun with this film. Um, it, it takes. Uh, the zombie stuff that's been done a lot adds a different twist to it, setting it in Christmas and send it, setting it in a musical. Um, I I, kinda, I actually think the music's pretty fun in it. Um, I mean, I, I do like Katy Perry, so maybe that's why, but um, I, I think the music's really fun. I love the um, the Santa like one that they did in the school musical with like the sexy Santa dudes and the <laughs> chick really inappropriate Santa song. Um what keeps it from being like an instant classic for me, and again, I, I think you should see this film, um, is I think the headmaster's arc wasn't very good. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I didn't like his song. That's maybe the one song in it that I didn't like very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, the other performances are great. Uh, he's good when he's not singing. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. And it, it, uh, here's the trailer for Anna and the Apocalypse. was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Young Anna was nestled, all snug in her bed, not knowing tomorrow she'd meet the undead. How would she survive what this season would bring? Well, that's simple. She'd stab, she'd slash, and she'd sing. Justin Bieber's a zombie. Can we dive right into that headmaster thing? Sure. So I think I now understand why people were frustrated by Dr. Sartain on the Halloween reboot. Because that's a turn where I'm like, I don't think I needed that. Yeah, I but, get why you did it. But in the I Halloween reboot, it makes more sense to me. Yeah, whereas um, this one feels like, holy shit. Like, you know, remember in Shaun of the Dead, the the, um, the Dave character? Yeah. And then he turns and is going to shoot uh, Sean's mom? Like that... That's more natural than this one. Yeah. This one feels like it's just like, oh no, I lost control of the school. What do I do? Yeah, and it's he's too um, super, over the top, super villainy. Yeah, yeah. super villainy. And his motivation throughout, like because I don't get a lot of stuff with him prior to that reveal. Yeah, I feel like I lost Where something. I would have appreciated it. So th- I would appreciate it more 
And I thought it would have been more effective um, when he comes in and, you know, they come and they finally make it to the school and he's eating dinner. Mm-hmm. And he says, go see your family and all their family are zombies because he killed them. Mm-hmm. I think it would be way more effective. That'd be pretty dark for what they're doing. Well, with no, this movie, I, though, but... I, I think that's what the movie needed because his his is like, I'm a 1960s Bond villain where um, everything I play is super over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So it, it was all right, but I mean, and the, ties her dad up with like Christmas lights. With yeah, she can't, he can't break out of Christmas lights. I know, and but then Anna's like meh, um, but she's great. The the girl who plays Anna is amazing. Oh yeah, she's um, wonderful. She's really charismatic. She sings very well. Um, I, I like her arc throughout the film. I like her friend in it. Um, you know that's a, a sacrifice I really liked in the film, where he runs through the zombies protecting her, and then he throws himself at the zombies. I liked that. I think's a good turn. I liked the scene before that a lot, where uh, they kind of lay, lay into lay, lay into solid foundation what their friendship is, and yeah. that he does not have romantic, he doesn't have a romantic shot, and that's cool. It grounds it and lays it down there. Yeah. The guy though, who she did have a relationship with, and that's kind of her like point of annoyance up until his reveal. I didn't like him at first, and then I kind of grew to love him, which made that arc for him perfect. Like, oh yeah, I think the reveal of him killing his father is a little off, but it still works. Um, yeah, it, it works because he's he's the bully, and he's um, he's displacing his sadness for being a tough guy. I mean, he has he has that great. I, I think his song's really good, where he's uh, you know kicking zombie ass. One of his friends just kills him with watermelons. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty fucking weird. Um, <laughs> It is, but it's like I said. The movie's great. I think the gore in it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, uh, you know, the part where they she pops the zombie snowman's head off, and he just screams. It's just like pumping blood on him is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I love that shot um, as she's leaving. Like the whole, the, it's gonna, it's a brand new day. I think mm-hmm. is the name of the song. She's walking out, and it's. I know it's cutting away, but it's essentially one long shot yeah. of the chaos behind her. I thought that was actually pretty. Neat. Um, Very much like Simon Pegg walking to the yeah, store. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a different. It's a definitely a, a homage to Simon Pegg. Yeah. Um, I, I will say the Simon Pegg ones choreographed better. Um, I mean the the stuff behind it's really funny, but I think why Shaun of the Dead works better is because it's really subtle. Mm-hmm. You know, and they set up in Shaun of the Dead. They set up the the shot of him at the beginning, the same shot where everything's okay. Um, it's it's what's frustrating though is that we do have to mention Shaun of the Dead this much because it it's a film that owes a lot to Shaun of the Dead. Well, I in think terms of what it's doing when the car drives up, like it does, like the steering wheel, uh, yeah, gear yeah. shift, like zooms and everything. Well, it's hard now, I think, to make a zombie comedy without referencing Shaun of the Dead because I think Shaun of the Dead is such a hallmark, not only for uh, comedies but for the revival of the zombie genre. A lot of people point to Walking Dead, and yeah, it's part of it. But Shaun of the Dead came out way before that. And, and the Dawn of the Dead remake, for that yeah, matter. Yeah, exactly. Like, almost same a year, year apart. Yeah. I think the same year, 2004. Um, mm-hmm. And he, the reason Shaun of the Dead is such a cornerstone in horror comedy is because the performances are so great. Raw and honest. And, and you brought up his friend. I mean, um, you know, the turn where Barbara's bitten and, you know, you know, they also have the, you know, Sean says, you know, I shot my... My mom, I don't think I have it in to shoot my girlfriend either. You know, there's parts of poignancy in Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. that this film doesn't quite get. Mm-hmm. It has them, but it doesn't deliver like Shaun of the Dead yeah, delivered. Like, I get confused of whether they're trying to make fun of that or whether they're trying to be earnest. I can't yeah. quite tell because it just doesn't land as much. 
And the other thing that's frustrating for me is that, um, <coughs> oh, I was going to say, God darn it. <laughs> um, oh, like, I get, get that it's a comedy, but, like, zombie people, uh, zombie characters, not zombie characters, but characters in zombie movies don't always have to make dumb decisions. Like, the couple mm-hmm. at the end, like, in the uh, in the TV room. Yeah. It's just like, it just felt like, oh, we just need some characters to die in this scene. So, yeah, it, yeah we for- like, we forced it. It's just like... Mm-hmm. Which actually frustrated me because I was like I was liking those characters and their like motivations and stuff. And I, I mean, I'm like I'm glad that not all of them die because that would have been like. Also, was that his grandma or his mom? His grandma. Th- that was his grandma. Because yeah. that was also like a thing of like she was never introduced. She didn't get an introduction. She was just showed up in the play. Well, she yeah, she's in the audience for the play, and that was the implication. Yeah. But like, but there, it's like this. She gets this death scene of yeah. like. There's some things that are not quite connected, but I don't think it really matters yeah. i guess i mean i and run. i think anna's dad's really good like i mean besides getting tied up by the lights i think his he had a really and good of course arc he gets and, bit in the ankle yeah. yeah i mean yeah um i don't know why they just didn't throw that dude into the zombies i would have like who cares i think it's a film that like mm-hmm. I, as i said before will grow an audience and it'll become like a, a a fun film to watch at the alamo or at the esquire and whatnot the issue with it that ultimately is is that Again, if I'm having to pull back to Shaun of the Dead this much, then I don't know if it's working. Um, sure. You know, like, I can separate Spaceballs and Star Wars be- for obvious reasons. But, like, it's the same thing. I'm just like, you know, I, I, I don't have to, like, I don't have to pull back to Star Wars to enjoy Spaceballs. With Anna and the Apocalypse, I kind of felt like I had to reach back to Shaun of the Dead to enjoy some stuff. Yeah. Um, also, why did she have to leave her dad, like, immediately? Uh, they said because her dad said it, it happens fast, or someone said it happens really yeah, fast. Yeah, somebody said it. Like, yeah, it's but like quick. They, they made it seem like yeah, we gotta go right now. Like <laughs> right now, <laughs> like he's, pretty, he's probably got like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then also like the shortcut through the store is like isn't the like it would probably be shorter to go around the block, right? Instead uh, of like the confined street space. I think no, because if you look in the street they're walking on, it's like a strip mall kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it again. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, I did put it in my list of 25 movies now that I really like this year. I don't know if it'll make it in the top 10, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I Talking about it now, I may, I would like to maybe rewatch it again, so I don't know if I'm reneging and have no conviction. But, yeah. no, but at the same time, it's like it's one of those things where I'm just like, mm, I might be setting myself up for disappointment. But I will say, though, like it's it it's definitely an independently shot and made film, like only through the grace and goodness of – a UK lottery and stuff like that, that kind of like promotes and develops the arts. I love it when a filmmaker, young filmmakers can go out and make a film that can appeal to an audience yeah. like that on such a low budget. So that gives it all the props in the world and the necessity to see it. Um, but as, and I would like to see more from these guys. Um, I, I guess they're like a collective group, like a, yeah. like a view skewish kind of like collective. So I would like to see them do more. Um, so, but not a bad first outing. And, God damn it, the the gal who plays Anna is like prime star material, man. Hands down. Cool. Uh, next week we're seeing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Some of us have already seen it. Stay through the credits of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> There's an awesome tag scene. Uh, I can't wait. We'll see it again. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. 
Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.